Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Big Slice Games cast. I am your host, Corey Stroby, and with me, I have Jessica. Hello. Um, so we'll just go right into this first topic. Um, this is from, uh, this is by Bonnie, Bonnie Burton over at CNET. Uh, it says, Internet Archive releases 2,500 MS-DOS games so you can relive the 90s. So the article says, if you loved playing MS-DOS games in the 90s like 3D Bomber, Azul, and Alien Rampage, you can now replay those and many more with the latest update from Internet Archive. On Sunday, Internet Archive released 2,500 MS-DOS games that includes action strategy and adventure titles. Some of the games are uh, Vorterra, Spooky Kooky Monster Maker, Princess Maker 2, and I have now Mount... Excuse me. I have no mouth and I must scream. <laughs> uh, I remember that title. I don't remember what it looks like. But anyway, um, continuing, it says Internet Archive software curator Jason Scott wrote on the site's blog saying, quote, this will be our biggest update yet, ranging from tiny recent independent productions to long forgotten big name releases from decades ago. One game that might trigger a few memories is the 1992 action-adventure horror game Alone in the Dark, published by Infogrames. In the game, you can play private investigator Edward Carnby or family member Emily Hartwood, who are investigating the suspicious death of Jeremy Hartwood in his Louisiana mansion called Darsetto, uh, which is now supposedly haunted. Fighting against rats, zombies, and giant worms, you have to solve a number of puzzles to escape. Another retro game included uh, by Internet Archive is a 1994 title played on PCs and Amiga computers called Mr. Blobby, a remake of the SNES game Super Troll Islands. Uh, the unusual game published by Millennium Interactive is based on the BBC, BBC's TV show character Mr. Blobby from the British TV show Knowles House Party. The Internet Archive is a nonprofit digital library that archives digital versions of computer games, books, audio recordings, and videos. For gamers looking for more vintage games, Internet Archive has been preserving and adding games from the 80s and 90s on a regular basis. Last year, the site added more than 200 retro LCD and LED games, including Carnup and Battletoads. Hmm. Um, so as someone who had a, a, a pretty big period of um kind of turning into a video game history nerd uh none of these games are really nostalgic for me but i've always been interested in checking them out and playing them just because they're a piece of industry history and gaming history so it's like battletoads is a big one that one is recognizable recognizable for a lot of people um but mr blobby uh any green any game grumps fans uh, probably remember watching them play Super Troll Islands. It's just this really, really weird. Uh, I'll have to put a picture up of it um, in the video version, but uh, and I'll link uh, the Game Grimps playlist for that game. Uh, I don't even remember if they played it for more than one episode, but it's a very strange game. You're basically just filling in uh, if I'm remembering this game correctly. Uh, yes. You're basically painting in the world by 
moving around it. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, I think I remember that. Yeah, it, it's. I kind of want to go. I want to check again? out this. What's that? What's Super the, Troll the, Islands. Oh, look it up. Or the website. So the website. Um, the website's uh, Internet Archive, I believe. Well, I'm on that, but um. Okay, maybe I didn't play it. Maybe I just saw somebody play that. Yeah, there's, there's, if you actually go on Internet Archive, there's a lot more than just games. It's oh, yeah. an archive of hundreds of things. Um, a lot of stuff. I mean, there's like, I think there's audio stuff and video and games. Yeah. Microfilm, there's Russian audiobooks. Like, yeah. they're adding like a handful, like a giant handful of things like every day yeah it, it's a giant archive yeah software library ms dos games um there's 6938 items total in that and they just added 2500 so that is a pretty large chunk that's but crazy. yeah opening that up right away uh the original oregon trail is there prince of persia oregon trail deluxe sim city pac-man um, Miss Pac-Man. There's there's tons and tons of uh, classics. The original Donkey Kong, um, Golden Axe, Castle Wolfenstein, Doom, the Roguelike, Disney's Aladdin, um, Maniac Mansion. Huh. Uh, oh my gosh. See, I didn't even know this existed. Um, this is really cool. Like I, I didn't actually look game. at the website oh, before. There is one game that I'd be interested to see if it's on here. I never, ever remember what it's called, but I know I played it a lot in the 90s. It was like, um, kind of like, you know, like one of those weird flash game type things where you would like walk around and like there were like different color keys for different color doors. You need to like make it through each level. I never remember what it was called, but it was such a fun game. Um, there's a lot of games like that. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. It'll be hard to find the one that I remember. Um, I know Gauntlet was kind of like that. Uh, Adventure was. I don't know if it had different colors, but Adventure it probably wasn't Adventure. Um, Atari's Adventure. Uh. It was on, I played it on PC, so I don't know if that makes a difference. Um, no, I can't think of it. I know what you're talking know. about, though. There's I a few know. games Some like that. 2000. <laughs> um, Lord. Rogue. Oh, my gosh. I've never actually gotten it. I've never been able to play that, but I want to try it. So if... Any, any, a little bit of uh, video game history. This goes a little bit off topic, but it, it's it's a game that's actually on this website that just made me think of uh, think of this. But um, so Rogue, and I'm looking at it right now. Rogue, there's a there's a there's a genre of games called the roguelike, where it's basically um, a roguelike is basically a game where 
it's almost like a dungeon crawler, but it resets every time you lose. And like, so you start at the beginning every time you do a run through, but it's different every time. So it's, it's, it's a pre it's a procedurally generated world. Um, every time you play it, uh, so like, if you've ever played, um, the binding of Isaac or Spelunky, um, Spelunky. yeah, uh, I've played that one. Oh, Spelunky would be one. Um, I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head. Uh, those are the two that really come to mind. Um, right off the top of my head. Um, but Rogue was actually the first game to do that. And if I, I don't remember when it actually came out. I don't know if they have... 1983. Um, yeah, so it's a bit old. <laughs> So it's nine. It's from 1983, but it it was this game where you were just you were like a dwarf or whatever or, a, or no. Um, I'm thinking of dwarf dwarf fortress. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so rogue is basically the original roguelike. Um, it was kind of its own thing, so it sparked you know this new genre that they just decided to call a roguelike because it's like rogue. Um, not to be confused with a rogue light with a T instead of a K, uh, which is generally the same thing. Um, but uh, it's not exactly like rogue where everything's procedurally generated and you start off with absolutely nothing right from the beginning. And the whole, the whole point of the game is you're learning patterns and you're learning what certain items do and you're learning like how certain enemies work and stuff. So like, the whole the whole attraction to the roguelike is learning how the general mechanics and enemies and stuff work so that each time you have a little bit more knowledge of what to expect or what certain things do um so like the progress is more just your knowledge of everything in the game rather than um leveling up and stuff mm -hmm. um and then a roguelite is basically almost usually like an adventure game or something with roguelike elements uh, where it's procedurally generated, but you still have stuff that carries over. Interesting. But yeah. Uh, so a little piece of video game history there. But this is really cool because there's a lot, there's a lot of games that I'll read about or... Um, hear about just in passing that people are talking about like um back in the day that i don't really have access to but now, now we do. yeah there are some interesting games though there was like i think i saw like strip poker so there's that and i saw something like called sexy droids like this explains a lot about some um some of those weird like older millennials <laughs> <laughs> It's like some of the older games that came yeah. out then. Um, yeah, uh, there were definitely some controversial games back in like toward the end of Atari's days that I don't even know if they'd be on here. Probably they'd probably be on there for historical purposes and and stuff. But uh, like, there's one. Um, 
off the top of my head that I can think of called Custer's Revenge. Uh, I just lost the spot. Oh, there it is. I don't think it would actually be on here, though. Uh, I can't find. Here we go. Let's see if it's in here. It is not. Um, hmm. But uh, but yeah, so th this looks really cool. Uh, I didn't even know this site existed. Just like an, an archive of older games, like the original, uh, the original um, uh, Oregon Trail is on there and and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's That's like a big part of my childhood. <laughs> yeah. I had I had an updated version of it. Like it 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 had like artwork and stuff on it, like um, like animations and whatnot. Other than just you know that the Apple II graphics or whatever it was, mm -hmm. um, whatever uh computer it was on, but uh, Apple, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure because it was on an Apple. We had like the OG um Apple computers in my elementary school and like we would play Oregon Trail on it a lot. Like it was like part of our like curriculum to play Oregon Trail. Yeah. Um I'm just gonna keep that yeah. tab open because I'm gonna play that at some point. <laughs> so are there any games that you could think of off the top of your head that you'd like to play that you probably either haven't been able to in years or just to get a little bit, a little taste of video game history. Well, I mean, like I said, the Oregon Trail would be fun just because it's been probably about at least 20 years. Um, I think I saw like, um, like the, the flight simulator. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I played that with the, with the, that special remote, special controller. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, my brain the, is totally flaking out on me right now. Um, I know what you're talking about the, the um, that the <laughs> actual joystick thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, brain, you're just way to just turn off on me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think this would be just like a fun thing, whether you're a streamer or not, like just to go on and just play different games and and see what they were like. I mean, yeah. you give each game like a couple minutes. I mean, you could get through a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so I'll I'll have the link for the website in the show notes and everything, and in, in the show notes and uh, the YouTube description. But go check out that website, especially if you're like me and just have like like. If you're like me and just want to dig through um, kind of video game history and go back in time and just play some games that you've never that you've always heard of and uh, heard stories of, but never had the chance to actually play it, um, go check it out. Um, or like Super if... Angelo. I've never heard of that one. <laughs> it's apparently just like Super Mario, but it's Super Angelo. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so check that out. Um, I know there's probably quite a few games that, uh, 
there's definitely Doom. a few games that I want to try. Yeah, Doom is one of them. Um, and uh, I want to try playing. Uh, there's a lot of games that I could think of that I would want to play uh, just to try. Um, but yeah, so check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of retro games, uh, this next one is from IGN, uh, or this one's by Joe Scrabbles over at IGN. Um, this is Analog Pocket announced stylish handheld will play all Game Boy games ever. Uh, like I said, this is by Joe Scrabbles over at IGN. So it says Analog has announced the Analog Pocket, a stylish third-party handheld that will play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. It will be available in 2020 for $199.99. Hmm. Uh, other regions pricing not confirmed at time of writing. Uh, designed by the same team that released the excellent Super NT and Mega SG consoles, the Analog Pocket has a similar philosophy to allow you to play cartridge-based retro games in the best possible quality without any emulation. In this case, Analog promises that the Pocket will play every Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance game out of the box. Cartridge adapters will apparently allow the Pocket to play the likes of Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket Color, and Atari Lynx games too. The Pocket will uh, the Pocket will display mm. those games on a 3.5-inch LCD screen at 1600 by 1440, 10 times the resolution of the original Game Boy. Analog claims that, quote, there has never been a display this advanced in a video game system. Alongside cartridge playback, whoops, alongside cartridge playback, the Pocket will also include a synthesizer sequencer uh, called Nano Loop. Uh, used for music creation and live performance. That's cool. Yeah. Analog will also release the Analog Dock, which works similarly to the Nintendo Switch, allowing you to directly output the pocket display to your TV. Games can be played with wireless 88-bit... Excuse me, 88-bit, what? Mm-hmm. Games can be played with wireless 8-bit do... What? Oh, 8-bit do controllers or wired USB controllers. No price has been revealed for the dock. Um, I kept seeing the B as another 8, so I was like, wait, what is going on? Uh, I kept misreading that. Uh, It's cool. I mean, I'm looking at it, and it's... It's it's, like a modern Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... What needs to be said though is that it's because it's not it's not an emulator. There, from what at least I'm seeing, there are no games preloaded on it, so you're still going to need the cartridges. Correct. So um, you are going to buy a two hundred dollar system, handheld system, and you're still going to have to find the cartridges of the games you want to play, unless you already have them, which is great. But if mm-hmm. you know if you sold them or mom sold them or whatever. Um, I think you're, you might have a hard time finding what you want to play, which will be crappy if you just spent $200 on the system. Yeah. Um, $200 is a pretty decent price for like a modern, like it, it's an updated, it's updated hardware. Um, but yeah, keep in mind that this is not an emulator, so it doesn't have games preloaded on it. This is just a piece of hardware. You need, you actually need the cartridges in order to play. So that's a uh, little bit of a disclaimer. Um, not that 
you know, we're selling it or anything, but it, it does sound really cool. I don't think I could find any of my Game Boy games. Um, if I did have a collection of Game Boy games, but nothing to play them on, then this would absolutely be something that I might end up getting. Right. Um, but well, otherwise, the thing too, is most people who still have their Game Boy games still have their Game Boy. I still have my Game Boy Color and the Game Boy games that came with it. I still have my Nintendo DS and the cartridges that came with it. Like, mm-hmm. so like for me, this doesn't, necessarily makes sense but yeah like you said if you have like a box full of cartridges and nothing to play then this is perfect yeah um or if you just want you know an updated piece of hardware that can play all of them so that you can you know sell your original game boys uh and whatnot or if you just want them to be cleaned up and put on display and not used and then just get this then that's another thing that you do. You can do because I know I I have a cousin that's a collector. That's a collector. So she has like the entire collect. She has. I want to say she has the entire SNES library. Wow. Uh, in her collection, I know she has a completed collection uh, for one of the one or two of the systems. Um, probably more of the systems now, but uh, I know that she probably has a couple systems that don't play anything. Um, that are just more for display. Uh, so they look pretty, but don't work very well. Uh, it's more for, it's more to just kind of have a complete collection, but either way, um, if you do have like a giant game collection and you want something that can just play all of them, this is definitely a good investment. Um, Mm -hmm. plus with it being new and updated and having better quality and whatnot, uh, that I'm sorry. And be able to hook it up to your TV. That's cool. Dude. Yeah. Um, which I don't even know if that's that isn't coming out yet. But eventually. Uh, yeah. No price has been revealed for the dock. So the dock. It, it sounds like that the dock is officially announced, but no details uh, beyond that. Um. So a dock of some kind is coming, but not sure when or how much it'll be. But yeah, this this sounds like it, it'll be really cool. I, I saw some images of what it looks like, and it looks really nice. It does. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty piece of hardware, that's for sure. Um, it does look really nice. I'm reading through the comments right now, and they're kind of cracking me up. But, <laughs> but the, the, the system itself looks good. Uh, yeah, and analog... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the, the comments are basically saying what we're discussing, like how some people, you know, don't like the price or, you know, some of them are like, you know, emulators are free, right? But like. Yeah, but they're also illegal. They are illegal. And also like, um, like if you're playing an emulator, say on like your phone, like not having those physical buttons makes a big difference. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the the physical buttons are definitely a thing. But the reason why analog does um does stuff like this where it's it's not an emulator, they want they they are against illegal emulation because it's one, it's bad for business. You're stealing property. Um it'd be the same thing if you were to download a movie illegally and then well, it wouldn't be the same thing as selling it, but downloading it illegally is don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't like that. My dad got a letter once. Really? From the FBI. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. 
They're like, please cease and desist. <laughs> um. Yeah. So don't like don't do that. It's not. It's not. Uh, um. Uh, it's not a victimless crime. Yeah, the movies make a lot of money, or games make a lot of money, but you you'd be hurting. You'd ultimately be hurting the studio and the developers in that case. So the people who are making the game are the ones who are going to end up getting hurt by it. Um, th there there's a whole hierarchy of of politics of development that goes into that, but I'm not going to go into that. But either way, emulation's illegal. Don't do it. It's kind of crappy to do that. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the Internet Archive is a totally different thing. Um, like every everything's credited, and I think that's totally. I think what they're doing is illegal. But, um, but either well, way, also, if for most part, I feel like a lot of those games. Like the rights just maybe at some point just got released, um, yeah. Because they're older. They're, I mean, same things happen with songs, and I know, like, I think the Grinch just got like the rights released. So, like, it happens in all different things. Yeah. So what happens happen is like games. Yeah. Uh, what happens is the copyright uh, expires, and if they don't reclaim it, it goes into public domain, making it free reign, right. uh, and anybody could actually claim that legally if they decide to buy it. Um or claim it, uh, which is kind of crappy to do that, but I mean, the law is the law, I guess. Um, but either way, uh, so if you want to get something where like, you don't have to actually emulate it or you're, you're against emulation for whatever reason, because it's, um, because you don't want to be involved in illegal activity or you think it's, um, immoral to to steal games just to play them um whenever you want for free uh then the analog pockets definitely something to get same thing with the x with the uh super nt and mega sg consoles which uh, i'm pretty sure are super nintendo and sega master system uh respectively uh pretty sure yeah Pretty sure the other one's the Mega uh, Master System. I don't know. Uh, let's find out. Just kidding. It's the Genesis. <laughs> Slick. I think. Yeah. Uh, rather than attempting to be tiny, accurately modeled Sega Genesis. Um. Yeah. So those are kind of the same thing, where you're actually playing the uh, the cartridges rather than an emulation. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty neat. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely something that I'm going to look into. Maybe I don't have, it might not be for me because I really don't have Game Boy games around to play anymore. <laughs> uh, I have no right. idea where they are. Right, that's what I'm saying. Somewhere. You'll have to drop 200 bucks and then drop another however many on cartridges that you're gonna have to find yeah um which can range but it is pretty yeah it, it it really is it looks really awesome um it's very sleek yeah very modern it looks you, you'll be able to see it it's in it, it's in the um 
It'll be in the YouTube uh, video version of this. You'll be able to see it. Just, just go, just go find it. Just go look. Just go look. Search it. I'll have, I'll have links. Watching the YouTube video, great. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. If you're not watching the YouTube version, then what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, it, it'll, it'll be in the show notes and stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything to add on that? Nah. Um, okay. So this one, I actually came across this yesterday as I was putting these topics together. Uh, and I replaced, I replaced a different topic with this one. Um, now I don't remember what it was. Uh, it wasn't important. Um, oh, it was riot has some crazy games coming out, uh, outside of league of legends. Or it's within League of Legends, but they're like making a bunch of different games for it. We'll talk about that if we have time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this is uh, Oxford researchers say clinical gaming disorder lacks sufficient evidence. This is by Alyssa McAllen over at um, uh, Gamma Sutra from yesterday, the 21st. Um. So it says, based on the findings of a recent study, Oxford researchers say they, quote, do not believe sufficient evidence exists to warrant thinking about gaming as a clinical disorder in its own right. The study, published by Oxford's uh, Internet Institute, gathered data from over 1,000 adolescents and their caregivers, but unlike how researchers say other studies have been performed, also examined the context surrounding a person's gaming habits. Um... And I actually have stuff from the site. I should have opened that first. Um, so reading directly from the site. Uh, whoops. Uh, and I'll, ha I'll have this linked in there. Um, but it's that right there. Um, so it says... Based on data from over 1,000 adolescents and their caregivers, the study suggests those engaged in dysfunctional gaming are likely to have underlying frustrations and wider psychosocial functioning issues outside of games. These issues are likely to lead them to seek contentment by gaming rather than being negatively impacted by gaming itself. Professor Andrew uh, uh, Przybilski, director of research at the Oxford Internet Institute and co-author of the study said, quote, the World Health Organization and the American Psychiatric Association have called on researchers to investigate the clinical relevance of, dis of dysregulated video gaming among adolescents, as previous studies have failed to examine the wider context of what is going on in these young people's lives. This is something we seek to address with our new study. For the first time, we apply motivational ther excuse me, for the first time, we apply motivational ther uh, theory and open science principles to investigate uh, if, psycho if psychological need satisfactions and frustrations in adolescents' daily lives are linked, to, are linked to dysregulated or obsessive gaming engagement. Our findings provided no evidence suggesting an, un an unhealthy relationship with gaming accounts uh, for substantial emotional, peer, and behavioral problems. Instead, variations in gaming experience are much more likely to be linked to whether adolescents' basic, psycho basic psycho psychological needs for competence, autonomy, and social belonging are being met 
and if they are already experiencing wider functioning issues. In light of our findings, we do not believe sufficient evidence exists to warrant thinking about gaming as a clinical disorder in its own right. Uh, hmm. So, uh, continuing with the Gama Sutra article, it says the study was prompted by the World Health Organization and its recent and controversial decision to classify gaming disorder as an addiction oriented disorder in the most recent revision of uh, the International Compendium of Diseases. However, researchers note that the study isn't the end-all be-all of the issue and that it's difficult to get to the core of the problem without additional data from game developers themselves. Uh, Przybilski explains, quote, whilst the, whilst the growing popularity of gaming has incited concerns from healthcare and mental health professions, our research provides no compelling evidence that games on their own are to blame for problems facing players. We need better data and the cooperation of video gaming companies if we are to get to the bottom of all of this. Um, so this caught my attention because obviously uh, I, I too felt that the World Health Organization kind of jumped the gun with classifying it as gaming disorder. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert in any of that, but it did seem... It did rushed. seem, yeah, it seemed rushed or just. I trust the World Health Organization with a lot of things, but I think this one was a little off. Um, because, uh, well, it, it seemed off to me because a lot of mental health professionals and psychologists and like 50, 50, you know, psychologists and and scientists based on I, I forgot what the quote actually was this was a like over a year ago when it, or earlier this year when it was actually um put into the compendium of diseases but uh yeah because that would have come out this year i think either way a lot of mental health and psychology professionals or medical professionals uh thought that this was a little rushed and almost uh impulsive of the organization to put in mm -hmm. um because of the very reason that there's not really enough evidence to support it not enough not enough studies have been done not enough uh not enough studies with you know the context that Przybilski explains here about like context of what's going on in individuals lives like you can't like what if they're trying to escape from something and gaming is the only thing that brings them peace of mind like you can't classify that as an addiction to games you have to classify that as you know as more or less a toxic repression of dealing with the issue at hand by using gaming as you know uh sort of a stress yeah, I relief it, like i think it'd be like like a weird version of like OCD or something like that. Cause I know like if you, they were talking about this on the radio the other day, like if you eat mac and cheese every single day of your life, because it's the only thing that brought you peace when you were in an abusive household growing up. then mm -hmm. I think that's like a OCD thing, like a weird stem from OCD. So I think this kind of falls under the same thing. Gaming is like, 
it brings you satisfaction or peace that your regular everyday life isn't doing um kind of thing or yeah like you said um stems from ocd where if it's a if it's a habit and you know it's ingrained in your mind um uh from you know from from trauma from the past so like if gaming was something that you used to drown out like uh domestic violence going on between parents when you were young gaming automatically just brings you peace because it was your escape from something like that it was your distraction so like whenever you get um whenever you start getting panicky or anxious uh or um something's triggering a panic attack that that reminds you of that trauma and gaming was your escape you're gonna go to that for your escape in that same situation um but either way, right. I, what Przybilski was kind of saying here was like, yeah, it, it, it could be stemming from it, it. It's not the game itself. It's not gaming itself. Most of the time, um, gaming is just the medium that they happen to use as stress relief from something else. Um, and, and that's kind of what I do. I use video games for escapism a lot of the times. Uh, or a lot of times. Well, there's specific games that I play for escapism. Um, no Man's Sky is definitely one where if I'm feeling um, uh, like if, I, if I'm going through a rough time, like anxiety or depression or whatever, uh, No Man's Sky is a really good peace game for me uh, personally. But and Minecraft is my peace game. Yeah, that one's a lot of people's peace game. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can see why. It's just you go into this I can I can see how Minecraft would be really peaceful. Um, it actually, is, it's the music and yeah, you can just turn your brain off. Like like if you're like making a mine or something, like just turn your brain off and just mine away, or or you can mm -hmm. build something. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but it's definitely my peace game. Yeah, and you can even turn it on peaceful and not have to worry about any monsters, and that makes it even more peaceful. Yeah, I like turning monsters, so. turning mobs off and stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I uh, actually for a little while, when uh, I, I think like five or six years ago, um, I would watch Minecraft let's plays for uh escapism. So like I wasn't playing it myself; I was watching other people play it, and that was, um, you know, you kind of develop a relationship with what almost feels like a relationship when you're watching a YouTuber do something like that, because it feels like they're talking to you when you're in mm -hmm. their audience and, and there's something peaceful about that. I know you're not actually socializing with them and that, and that can be, uh, that could be dangerous if you do it too much because that it, it for many psychological reasons, I guess, like I said, I'm not an expert, but, I have read quite a few books on like psychology and this is definitely one that makes sense. Um, and he actually, uh, I think it was on the site. Um, there was a specific quote, uh, that stood out to me. Um, if I can find it. Uh, 
Here it is. Uh, instead, variations in gaming experience are much more likely to be linked to whether adolescents' basic psychological needs for competence, autonomy, and social belonging are met, and if they are already experiencing wider functioning issues. Um, the idea of competence, autonomy, and social belonging or social connectivity was actually three things that was brought up in one of the books that I read. I want to say it was the UX book uh, by Celia Hoden, who was uh, recently quoted in that that Fortnite lawsuit about Fortnite being over addicting. Um, she was the UX designer that they claimed was a psychologist being used to make the game more addicting. Um, but her book explains like the idea of competence, autonomy, and social connectivity. Uh, and same thing with Jane McGonigal's book. Whoops. Um, Reality is broken. How like video games tend to fulfill um, really quickly uh, fulfill our psychological needs of competence, autonomy, and sometimes social connectivity, depending on what games you're playing. Um, you know, if you're playing a party game or if you're playing online, uh, you have mm -hmm. a stronger sense of social connectivity through that. Um, but a lot of it is going to, but based on that, claim right there um that's to say that there's that video games are serving those psychological needs needs that their regular lives aren't so they're playing video games uh they might be playing video games obsessively because those needs aren't being met in their everyday lives so they're not addicted to video games they're just they're trying to fulfill psychological needs that aren't being fulfilled in everyday life. So if you take away video games because you think that they're addicted to the game, you're taking away uh, the th the only thing that's actually, you know, that's that's actually fulfilling needs that aren't being fulfilled in regular in their regular day to day lives. So you need to figure out a way to fill to fulfill those outside of the games if you want them to, you know, stop playing them so much. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, at least that's what I'm taking away from this based on what I read in the couple books that I that I quoted or not really quoted but mentioned. Um But yeah, this this stood out to me because because he mentioned that and it's like that well that's something that I've definitely read before uh, a couple chapters on the fulfillment of competence, autonomy, and social connectivity. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about like the um, the idea of gaming disorder based on this? Uh, like you said, I, we're not experts. Um, yeah. Right. I, I do think they jumped the gun when they when they claimed that it's a disorder. Um, not saying that it necessarily isn't, but there are so many things that go into factor a disorder. Hmm. Um, just, you know, just if somebody's playing for 17 hours a day while not healthy, doesn't necessarily mean it's a disorder. It doesn't mean it's like from video games, like you said, it could stem from something else. Um, so I think they need to somehow find a way to like 
research, like, like whether they're have, you know, if they could like study participants, like if the participants could either be in the hospital and they study them or, or they can study them while they're at home. Um, there needs to be a lot more research done. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what this case was. Um, or at least a start. Because uh, when you look at their the actual site for this study, um, uh, where is it? So looking at the, I guess, fifth paragraph, if you count the, the one sentence one, uh, it says, excuse me, it says the study tested hypotheses considering the extent to which adolescents exhibit, exhibiting dysregulated gaming reliably links to whether their basic psychological needs were being met. Adolescents complete questionnaires about their gaming behavior, including providing details of how long they spent playing video games, with whom they played, uh, and if they used the internet to play games, and their caregivers rated their child's emotional and social health. Uh, key findings include most adolescents played at least one internet-based game daily. Less than half of daily online gamers reported symptoms of obsessive gaming. Daily players were highly engaged, devoting an average of three hours a day to games. Uh, and there was little evidence that obsessive gaming significantly impacted adolescents' outcomes. Um, and, and it kind of just rehashed what uh, Gama Sutra did in, in a closing statement for this. But um, the full study, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post a link to it, but the full study uh, titled Investigating the Motivational and psycho Psychosocial Dynamics of Dysregulated Gaming, Evidence from a Pre-Registered Cohort Study. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll post a link to that actual study in the show notes. Um, I don't know if we have... Oh, yep, sure enough. Access to the full study is right there. Um, there's lots of... There's oh, lots of... Yeah, there's lots of math and statistics that are a little over my head just looking at it um but you know you can get uh you can get a, a good idea just through reading the uh the abstract paragraph at the top um but if you are a little bit more of an expert in psychology or statistics um you can read the entire study it might, it might be a little bit less over your head than than for us um i'm still gonna read it and try and understand it as much as i can um, but yeah, so the entire study is going to be in the show notes. So you have access to that. Um, uh, and this is definitely, uh, this is a legitimate study. So it's like, it's not just us giving an opinion on it. Um, it's an educated opinion based on what we read from this. Um, but definitely check that out. Uh, I'm probably going to read it at some point this week when I have time to, but um, definitely something interesting and something that I'm going to be continuing to follow if anything continues to unfold from this. Uh, I don't think the World Health Organization is going to change their stance. You know, once it's written in, I don't. I I think it's a little harder to take it out. Mm -hmm. Um, it has to be challenged quite a few times. Um, but I'm sure this is a good start. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah def- a lot more needs to be looked into before gaming disorder can be like something that you should actually consider being a diagnosis. Um, right. Right. Cause it's not something that people are ingesting like alcohol or drugs right. where you can very clearly see a correlation between what they're ingesting and, you know, a disorder that comes from it or an addiction. Hmm. So it's, it's not like that. So I think there's just a lot more work that needs to get put into it before they can decide what it is or is not. Yeah. Plus with, with alcohol and, and, um, alcohol or yeah, (laughs) drugs or, uh, substances of some kind. Um, you can see a change in the brain chemistry just through, you know, uh, MRE or MRE, uh, MRI, MRI scans. MRI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can, you, you can see chemical changes, um, in brain scans after, uh, someone's been an addict, like th- their brain chemistry is altered. Um, whereas this, like, yeah, you're, when you're playing games, your, your brain is lighting up, but it's from, your brain being stimulated. Whereas like if you're watching TV, it's not nearly as stimulated as when you're doing something interactive. Um, but you're not seeing a change in brain chemistry like you would in drugs or anything like that. So like having this being an addiction oriented disorder is. (sighs) Doesn't seem like a very smart move or a very, I don't want to say very un, like an uneducated move because the, I don't want to challenge the, the world health organization and call them uneducated. But I think this was a little bit of an impulsive move um, just to say parents. I don't know what, what would have gone into this decision. Um, but either way, I think this is a good, uh, a, a good kind of scratch of the surface on what gaming disorder really is. Um, which isn't a disorder based on gaming itself. It's it's other disorders that you know people are using gaming as a means to escape from. Uh, and diagnosing them with gaming disorder isn't going to help them in any way. All you're doing is taking away the thing that's you're essentially taking away their. What's the word? You're taking away their coping mechanism without giving them anything else to replace it with. So all you're doing is going to make their problem worse because you're not dealing with the actual problem. You're just taking Mm -hmm. away their coping mechanism. And even if it is an an unhealthy coping mechanism, it's it's a coping mechanism either way. And if you don't deal with the actual problem, they're just going to find something probably worse um, to cope with. Uh, right. You know, gaming. What they could do as well, possibly. I don't know how well necessarily would work, but if they could find some honest adults, um, and survey them, maybe because mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. Video games mainly became a huge thing when we were kids. Mm-hmm. So if they could find people our age and ask and survey and just see how the how they grew up and how they turned out yeah maybe that could also lend a hand and you know what what could happen or you know you know what i mean yeah 
like as kind of an extension to this study. Yeah. Like like, examine. Kind of like seeing into the future by looking at the past. Ah, yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, so like examining adults who used gaming as a coping mechanism to better predict uh, adolescence behaviors, I right. guess. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a coping mechanism. If you can find someone who uses a coping mechanism, that's awesome uh, because that'll lead to better results. But just asking yeah. people in general, because I know I probably spent a good amount of time on video games. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for coping. At least I don't think, no, food was more coping. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I spent a good amount of time on video games and I don't have any sort of addictions or disorder for that. So I think it could lead results to, to show that it doesn't, and it could lead to results that show that it does, especially if they can find people who did use it as coping. Yeah. It's all, it's all going to be based on the context of the actual population of the study or the, the, um, I guess the sample, well, a sample might be too small for something like this. Um, or no, never mind. Sample would be the right term. It's been a while since I took a statistics class. Um, but if they do do like a case study and, and, you know, grab a handful of different people from different, you know, backgrounds or different, uh, different childhoods, different traumas and stuff and examine their game playing habits based around the context of their own personal lives. Uh, pretty much you know, the broader the sample, the more results that you can get. Um, either way. Uh, so that's something to that's something to look out for. Like I said, the the study will be in the show notes and in the in the YouTube description, so that you can actually look and read at the actual study, mm-hmm. um, rather than just the article about it. Uh, and if it's a little over your head, that's fine. I, I mean, it's an official like psychology study, so there are going to be stuff that's going to be over your head if you're not like like a an actual expert. I know there's going to be stuff that's going to be a little over my head, but um, I want to try and understand it as best as I can. Um, right. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? You still there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you went silent. I was like, wait. <laughs> oh, did you did you hear me ask that uh, question? N- no, I guess I did not. Okay. I was just asking if the, if there was anything else you wanted to add to that. Oh, mm-mm. okay. Um, getting to the kind of the main topic of this, uh, I guess not really a main topic. It's just more more stuff on the whole Blizzard stuff from last week. Continuation. Yeah. So Blizzard controversy continues to unfold. Um, some of this is a little less recent. Um both of these articles are from like the 15th and the 16th. Uh, and the day that we're recording is this is the 22nd. So this was still somewhat mid last week. Excuse me. Um, so this first one, uh, blizzard cancels overwatch live event at Nintendo world in New York. 
This is by Hayden Taylor over at gamesindustry.biz. Uh, it says, with Overwatch arriving on Nintendo Switch today, uh, developer Blizzard Entertainment has canceled its New York launch event at Nintendo World. The move comes amid growing dissent among fans after Blizzard suspended Hearthstone pro player Chung Blitzchung Y uh, over his post-watch excuse me, over his post-match interview comments supporting Hong Kong protesters. Blizzard originally planned a live meet and greet with some of the game's voice actors, but canceled the event with only a day's notice, offering no explanation. Since banning Nguai from professional play for 12 months and confiscating his winnings, Blizzard has come under fire, excuse me, Blizzard has come under intense criticism from fans and commentators for its apparent support for Ch of Chinese censorship. Uh, however, the company has since dialed back its punishment of Nguai, uh, reducing the ban to six months and returning his winnings from the Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament. Blizzard also denied that business interests in China had anything to do with its decision to penalize, to penalize uh, Nguai. These gestures appear to have done little to dampen the flames of hostility, though, as digital rights nonprofit organization Fight for the Future is currently organizing protests for BlizzCon. The protest is planned to take place outside of uh, the protest is planned. The protest is in a convention center on the Thursday of noon. Um, so pretty much immediately after um what can you still hear me mm -hmm. okay uh, it says rtc disconnected on the discord so making sure that it didn't interrupt the recording no i mean you had a weird um, moment but it's okay uh it looks like craig is still recording so it should be, it should be an issue um uh, yeah, so so pretty much right after the whole thing went down with Blitzchung, um, like a day later, Blizzard canceled this Overwatch launch event for the Nintendo Switch. Um, which I, I think it was, it, I think by the sounds of it, it was more or less just like, uh, I, they were going to have voice actors there, and it's like if protests got out of hand, the voice actors don't want to have to deal with that too. So it's right. like they pretty much predicted that okay, if we continue with this event, it's going to be a giant mess. Um, and I think it was probably better of them to have canceled it. Uh, it it's disappointing, but I mean, in light of what was going on that event could have been disastrous. Right. Um, you know, with protesters, uh, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people were probably upset that they canceled the event, but uh, I mean, I'm not a big Overwatch fan, so it's like, I can't really relate to that. I can't either. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, not really an Overwatch person. I tried for like a hot second and I was like, nah. Um, one thing that did stand out to me, uh, in this article specifically though, was, uh, it says Blizzard has come under intense criticism from fans and commentators for its apparent support of Chinese censorship. I, I think it's a little 
I still think it's a little uh, unfair to, to acute. I think it's a little. It sounds a little accusational to say that they support Chinese censorship. Um, or I think it's a little uh, not impulsive. Um, I think it's a little unfair to say that they support Chinese censorship because when you look at the context of all of this, yeah, it happened to be, you know, Hong Kong happened to be the target of whatever this, this protest was, mm-hmm. but blizzard again was just, they, they were, uh, they were enforcing their rule that was written in, you know, the handbook, uh, like, you know, like I was saying last week, um, I was told by someone, but I, I didn't find any, uh, any articles to back it up, but someone had said that blizzard, uh, getting into this next article, um, uh, yeah, I guess we can just go right into this. Um, so the second article, U.S. Hearthstone players banned for Hong Kong protest. Uh, so another group was actually banned uh, the same way that uh, Blitzchung was. Mm-hmm. Um, the context is slightly different, but anyway, so this is uh, U.S. Hearthstone players banned for Hong Kong protest. This is by Brendan Sinclair uh, over at GamesIndustry.biz. This was a day after the the previous article that we that I just read. But it says mm-hmm. Blizzard uh, Blizzard has issued a six-month ban to a trio of American University students who held up a sign saying, quote, free Hong Kong boycott Blizz during the Hearthstone Collegiate Championships last week. Uh, in a post on the rulings page of the official Hearthstone site, Blizzard explained the ban, saying the players, quote, Giant Dwarf, T-Jammer, and Excelsior were in violation of Section 7 dot one dot b of the hearthstone collegiate championship rules for engaging in behavior disruptive to the official esports broadcast according to the site of tournament organizer tespa section 7.1 excuse me 7.1.b reads as follows it says quote participants shall treat all individuals watching or participating in a tespa event with respect Participants may not take any action or perform any gesture directed at another participant, TESPA admin, or any other party or incite others to do the same, which is abusive, insulting, mocking, or is disruptive. Uh, Players may not use obscene gestures or profanity in the account names, player handles, team names, game chat, lobby chat, or live interviews. This includes abbreviations and or obscure references. So just reading off of that, uh, a call to action to boycott Blizzard on a live stream during one of their championships. Did you really think that you were that you weren't going to get banned for something like that? Like, I mean, <laughs> but does it say anything about what their statements are? Because I'm sure they knew what they were doing. What do you mean? Like, like, does it say anything? Like, like, are they like, oh, this isn't fair, or is it like, 
Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So at the end of the article, they have a quote at the end of the article. Uh, so here, let me let me get to that. Uh, here, I'll just I'll finish the I'll finish reading the article. But yeah, they do have a quote. They have a quote at the end of this. But uh, a video of the match shows the American University team held up the sign uh, at the match's conclusion without additional comment. Uh, the three players held up the sign to protest Blizzard's punishment for another Hearthstone player, Chung Blitz Chung Y, uh, who was banned for a year for supporting Hong Kong protesters in a post-match interview at the Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament. Uh, after much criticism and numerous protests like that of the American University team, Blizzard reduced Ngwai's ban to six months in a statement released Friday evening. In the same statement, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack insisted the company's business interests in China had no impact on how it handled the matter, saying, quote, we will continue to apply tournament rules to ensure our official broadcasts remain focused on the game and are not a platform for divisive social or political views. Uh, the ban on the American university players comes after a, after a longer wait than they had expected. In the days after their protest, they said there had been no word from Blizzard or the Hearthstone Collegiate Championship organizer, and they had even been scheduled for their next match in the comp competition. The team said, quote, We feel it's hypocritical for Blizzard to punish Blitzchung, but not us. The response from Blizzard shows that as soon as the messaging is out of the view of China, they don't care about political messaging. Um, yeah, so... Hmm. Uh, I didn't get that the first time I read this, but basically that quote uh, came out shortly after they did it before uh, they before were actually they banned. Yeah. yeah. Um, who knows if uh, that was a challenge to Blizzard and Blizzard decided to act um, to cover their tracks. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that that's the case because that's getting into I don't want to say conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy territory, but I have no, there's no evidence to support that uh, it was a cover up. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not really gonna go down that road. But the way that I'm looking at this is that when Blitzchung did it, uh, it happened like right away like it happened live uh mm. you know he did he did something very controversial and with him being with him being a scheduled interview blizzard knew exactly excuse me blizzard knew exactly who it was that was doing it and knew exactly what rule he was breaking i think when it comes to this i don't i don't know the context of the actual video because i didn't see it um, but if by the sounds of it, the, the video happened kind of quickly, uh, it, I guess the camera panned over to that team and then they held up the sign and they quickly cut back to a different camera view. So it happened kind of fast and it wasn't as obvious as when Blitzchung did it. Right. So I don't know if they well, took it. A, a, straight up said it, right? Yeah, he just he, straight up he like, he went up and platform. said, "Yeah, he had the platform, and he was like, like free Hong Kong." Yeah, uh, well, free Hong Kong. Yeah, and they had a sign. Uh, 
that was also a collegiate championship rather than the grandmasters tournament. Um, I don't know. Like there's a few things that go into this, but it's like, it, it can't really, it can't really be treated the same way because it's like, it, it, it's a different, I mean, it's treated the same way because it's at the end of the day, it's still the same. It's the same movement and same rule that's being broken pretty much. All right. But it it might be just it, because it's a different tournament. It took them a little bit longer to get things figured out or who knows if it if it was because they challenged it. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about the whole thing. Like, I don't know. I think Blizzard's getting a little bit too much heat over this. Uh, and that continues to be an unpopular opinion. Um, because when you look at the facts without looking at the context, um, I know context is important, but when you take away the context, all Blizzard was doing was enforcing a rule. And that's mm-hmm. it. They did not have to reduce the sentence, and they did do a six-month uh, sen- suspension for this collegiate team rather than the full year. Um, because I don't know if the rules are different. Uh, uh, it doesn't look like it. Just looking at the article itself, it doesn't actually say what the suspension was supposed to be, but they, they did do six months for the collegiate team. Um, but either way, uh, I think this is probably even still going to keep unfolding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, just making sure. I was sure. Just trying to see where your thought process was going. <laughs> uh, I guess it, it, I really don't know what Blizzard is going to do because it's like no matter what they do, they're going to get criticism for it because they got criticism for not banning someone for doing that. And then they got more criticism for doing it again. Uh, It's like, no matter what they do, everyone's going to come up with some reasoning to, to suggest that they're just trying to cover their tracks or whatever. So it's like, they didn't ban, they didn't, uh, they didn't punish this collegiate team right away. And then, you know, rumors were going around that, oh, as soon as it's out, well, it's out of the view of China. So of course they're not going to care about it as much this time. It's because they're trying to, they're in support of, in support of the Chinese government rather than, um, rather than free speech. But then they do, but, or excuse me. And then they do go through with the suspension who knows if it's because the college, the college team challenged them or because there was more review that had a longer review process that had to go through with this one. Who knows? Um, but as soon as they do follow through with it, now all of a sudden. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-
I cutting out a lot again? Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to... I'm not sure why it's doing this. This is really this is really annoying. Um it says I have a decent connection, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, you're okay right now, but Okay. I don't know if it's just the connection or if Craig's even recording me very well. Well, you should be. Okay. All right, I'm going to try saying that one more time. <laughs> Basically, uh, pretty much anything that Blizzard does at this point is going to be painted in a way that makes them look bad. Um, you know, by anyone who's following the story. Yeah, plus, I mean, we are... I think I said this last week, too. We are having... Um, issues with China right now. So yeah. that doesn't help. Yeah. I think no matter what Blizzard is, Blizzard's going to be kind of stuck because no matter, like I said, no matter what they do at this point, everyone's going to look at the negative side of it just because they were simply enforcing a rule that in light of these protests, if they get painted as the bad guy just because I don't know, because everyone wants to be political about it, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll probably see what happens when BlizzCon comes around in a couple weeks. Uh, next week? No, week after. Not this Friday, but yeah, next Friday. After, next Friday. Um, this all kind of go. This whole BlizzCon thing is going to go down, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, I hope it doesn't turn violent. I don't think it will, but this sounds like it's going to be bad. No, it. I don't think it'll be violent, but I think it'll make a huge impact on BlizzCon. Yeah. Um. Blizzard's Blizzard's kind of backed into a corner at this point. No matter what they do, they're not going to be able to fix this anytime soon. Um, no. I I think the only way that they could quote unquote fix it is by not banning people. But it's like, okay, well then where 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 do they draw the line? Where like if they stop banning people for doing stuff like this, when that's not the focus of the tournament, where are they actually able to draw the line where it's not going to cause a bunch of, where it's not going to, you know, inspire a bunch of criticism toward them. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of stupid. What, what blizzards kind of gotten themselves into and not really gotten themselves into, but like just the situation in general, um, just got super messy, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a bad situation for sure. Um, and, and like I said, because of the political storm that America and China are in, because of some people, um, that doesn't help. And yeah, and whether it's the company itself or people trying to make um political statements 
it's just all one kind of big chaotic movement right now. Yeah. And I don't think it's gonna, it's not going to calm down anytime soon. I don't think, excuse me. I don't think. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't, it would suck, but I wouldn't be surprised if BlizzCon possibly got canceled or something like crazy like that. Like if it gets too crazy. I don't think they could. Like I don't see cancel. them. I don't, yeah, like I don't. Think, I don't. I don't think they'll necessarily cancel because it's it's really big. But there's, I think it's going to take a hit somehow. Yeah. Well, there's already the protest that's planned for it. But BlizzCon is so big that I think canceling it or anything like that, postponing it, whatever, is going to be a bigger mess than just than just dealing with the protests. Um, yeah. But yeah, I imagine BlizzCon's going to be that's going to be rough. But I'm sure someone's going to share a play by play if it if it gets bad enough. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about whatever happens. Uh, but yeah, just kind of a continuation of Blizzard controversy. Not really mm-hmm. anything new to add, other than just like you know that collegiate team got banned for pretty much the same exact thing that that Blitzchung did. Uh, but whatever, it is what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um, well, like what I usually say for these kind of things, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a whole lot of stories this week. Um, I've been busy kind of getting ready to move out to, um, out to Champaign, um, Illinois. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to research stuff. Um, I'm sure things are, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the podcast just yet. We are still going to do it, um, uh, but scheduling is probably going to get shaken up a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if we have to take a couple weeks for like a settling hiatus, I'm sure it's yeah. fine. Um, I'll keep everyone updated on that. Uh, so anyone listening, um, be sure to look on social media pages for Big Slice Games or if you follow me. Uh, I'm sure I'll mention something, but if you follow Big Slice Games on Facebook and on Twitter, you'll probably see an announcement once I figure out what to do when we figure out uh, how to go about scheduling. Um, But either way. Uh, Okay, out this week. Whoops. Um, There's still something going on with IGN's website, so I'm just going to read it from Game Informer. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at IGN's website and I guess they only show so many games when you're looking at all platforms, but if you change it to specific platforms, then it shows everything um, coming out for that platform. But it's like, I'm not going to go through and, you know, go through all the different platforms uh, for that. But, um, where did I say to start? From okay, so oh, um, all right, so out on the 22nd, that's today, 
as of this recording. Um, you have Moons of Madness on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold, Trails of Cold Steel 3 on PlayStation 4. You have WWE 2K20, uh, and oh, that's it for the 22nd. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the 23rd, you have we have Lonely Mountains Downhill on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, Mac, and Linux. Uh, on the 24th, you have Cat Quest 2 on Switch. Uh, on the 25th, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is out. Uh, that's on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. You have Medieval on PlayStation 4. The Outer Worlds on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. On the 29th, After Party is out on PlayStation 4 and PC. Uh, Harvest Moon Mad Dash on PlayStation 4 and Switch. Resident Evil 5 on Switch, Resident Evil 6 on Switch, and Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and Vampire on Switch. Um, so not a whole lot, at least on this list. Uh, there's probably a lot more, but uh, for time's sake, those are kind of the big ones. Um, yeah. Not really anything I'm particularly playing this week from this list or that I want to get. I do want to get Call of Duty uh, just because the modern, the new Modern Warfare game sounds like it's going to be sounds like it's going to be a little different. Um, I wouldn't mind getting back into Call of Duty for for this time around. Uh, but the Outer Worlds sounds like it's it's doing really well. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. A lot of people, uh, it's getting some good uh, good reviews. Yeah, because the reviews were going up this week. Um, so that sounds like it's doing really well. Uh, I heard Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD. Sega is putting Sonic the Hedgehog in as an unlockable character. So, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, so I guess you can unlock Sonic, which is cool. But that's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would like a new yeah, Super I'm... Monkey Ball game, but yeah, I might try it actually if I have some spare money. But if I have some spare money, it's probably going to be spent on Outer Worlds or After Party is one that I've been looking forward to. Um, yeah. Any games coming out this week that you're looking forward to? Um, I might look into Outer Worlds. Probably not now, cause mm -hmm. I'm trying to save some money. Um, probably that's it. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of games that I want to play, but it's like I've I've been trying to focus on specific games. I'm almost done. I guess we can go into what we what we're playing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm almost done with. Link's Awakening. Uh, I'm on level eight. Like I, I want to say that's one of the last dungeons or whatever. Um, I forgot what that one was. Uh, the turtle one. Oh yeah, I think that's the second to last one. Okay. Or that yeah, might it's... be the last one, and then the, the next thing isn't technically a dungeon, but kind of is. 
It's like the last the last level or whatever. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I'm almost done with that. Uh I started playing A Way Out uh with my brother. That's the game from um crap. Who made that? Uh from Oh, Hazelight Studios. It's a, an EA, an EA uh, property, but um, it's this weird. So it, the premise is like you're you're trying to escape prison together. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So it, it's a multiplayer only game, which is kind of weird. But it's split screen, and you and you each play a different character, um, who kind of has their own sort of has their own sort of backstory and you're working together to get out of prison. Um, and then there's some crazy story stuff that happens after that. But like I watched a playthrough, but Chris hasn't, my brother hasn't actually played it or seen it yet. So he's playing it for the first time. So we've been playing that together. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably going to play more of that tonight. But other than that, just links awakening. Uh, and yeah, that's all I've been playing. <laughs> Nice. Got um, any time to play anything? Not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was kind of busy last weekend, and I'll be super busy this weekend. We have a wedding that we'll be at literally all day on Saturday. Um, like, we're starting at 8 a.m. <laughs> um, Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's like when we have to be there. <laughs> um, it'll be fun, though. It's our last one of the season. Um, but anyway, uh, I hit up um, the Minecraft server for a little bit just to chill while in a party with our new clan friends. Um, and other than that, that was kind of it. Very lighthearted gaming sessions, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up all we have for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we won't go into any like breaking news or anything. We'll 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 cover it next week, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow, if you want to follow Big Slice Games, you can. Follow Big Slice Games at Big Slice Games on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, you can find the podcast. Well, you can find the audio of the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and the Google Play Store. And you can find the YouTube, or you can find the video version on YouTube at Big Slice Games. Uh, you can find all of those uh, if you just search for Big Slice Games Cast. You should be able to find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Strobe Official. That's S-T-R-O-B-B-E uh, Official, all one word. And Jessica, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at PhoenixLeeJS. Or if you're interested in seeing my photography stuff, uh, especially if I show sneak peek from this coming Saturday, um, you can find me on all handles at Photography. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.